Welcome to part two of Health System CIO's interview with Michael Mistretta, CIO at Virginia Hospital Center. In this segment, Mistretta talks about how VHC partnered with county officials to stand up the area's first drive-through screening site, what the pandemic has taught CIOs about vendor partnerships, and the one thing he wishes he would have done differently. As much as 80% of patient information is unstructured and stored outside of an EMR, Highland Healthcare helps complete the patient record by consolidating and connecting this unstructured content to core clinical systems. With a full suite of content services and enterprise imaging solutions, Highland gives clinicians a single view of all documents and medical images associated with the patient via the EMR, enabling more informed health decisions and improving patient outcomes. Highland Healthcare. See your whole patient. Visit highlandhealthcare.com to learn more. As, as you go through all these things that are being done, um, I, I would imagine that there is kind of a roadmap for, you know, whether we see the, the second surge of this or anything similar, but knowing some of the things that you guys have done that, that were successful and, and use that going forward. Yeah, I think surge planning, I think, is something we're getting pretty good at at this point. You know, the flexing mm -hmm. different nursing units. You know, my team's had to go out and change rooms from single occupancy to semi-private rooms to get capacity. We've converted labor and delivery rooms to negative air pressure, COVID rooms. You know, just different things like that where facilities does something, then in the, in the systems, you know, our team jumps in and does this stuff. And then we really are doing it almost overnight, these builds and stuff. Yeah. The responsiveness too, and the productivity that the staff has been able to maintain while working remotely has been pretty incredible in my mind. Literally, we get on one of these calls, our, our 4 o'clock COVID call, and they come up and say, well, can we get this data and this report so we know what's going on here, and the next morning we have it for the 9 o'clock call. So, yeah. you know, the responsiveness that we've had and, and the people's willingness to do whatever I, I think is pretty phenomenal right now. Right. And I, I was reading the article about the drive-through testing site, and it was the first in, in the area and was that something where, where you got some phone calls or you had people who were asking for anything you know, as far as tips or, or uh, advice on that? You know, it's, that, it's an interesting question. We kind of saw what some of the other areas of the country were doing that, were, that got hit with this first. Yeah, and sure. We started actually, you're, you're, you're going to laugh at this a little bit, but it was a little bit of a self-preservation move on our part because right. – our emergency room was starting to pick up with these COVID patients, and we didn't have a good facility or capacity to do the testing there without mm -hmm. contaminating the other patients that were there. So we said, how can we do this a little differently, and what can we do? So we got with our county, and as I said, we work with our EMS and uh, emergency preparedness people in the county quite frequently, and we got with them. We said, we'd really like to set something up, and uh, they came in and said, well, we have a site, so we're working on their property on their site, they have fiber there, so we did VPN tunneling to get our connectivity to our applications, put a couple access points out there, brought all of our, our technologies with us, and uh, worked with them on traffic flow with the police and fire departments, sheriff's department, and uh, it just all came together within, I would say, literally a week. Design on the build on how we wanted to do it and how we could do the orders and things like that. It was on a Thursday night. The team came into the office on a Friday. We sat down with a design session, and we opened on Tuesday. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, 
Yeah, I mean, that's it is pretty phenomenal how quickly that came together, and it's been extremely successful. We've done well over a thousand tests out there at this point. Okay. That's one of the things that we hear people say, though, that out of necessity comes innovation or just being able to really utilize resources to the best of your ability. Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone's taking ownership of their piece, and when it comes down to it, it's like, okay, how can I help? So where do you need me kind of a thing. Right before this call out, helping our biomed folks get a, one of our empty units ready to admit patients this afternoon. Wow. literally going out and hanging pole socks on the wall. Oh, wow. It's amazing. And there is that upside of seeing just how organizations have been able to, to pull resources together and how people have been able to accomplish so much in short amounts of time. And I think that we're going to look back at this in, in amazement of some of the things that were accomplished. You, you know, I, the other thing that, that I will give a little bit of credit to is if you've got good relationships with your vendors and you've got good mm -hmm. true partners out there, they've been more than willing to come up and step up and say, well, how, how can I help? One example is our nursing team was pretty distraught because, you know, these COVID patients are all in isolation rooms. And yeah. when they start to demise, they, there's not really any family there. Yeah. So I reached out to a couple of our partners and I said, is there any way I can get a half a dozen or a dozen WebEx accounts and a bunch of iPads that you guys would donate for this. And I had them literally in two days. And they were set oh, wow. up, distributed out. So when these patients, you know, we get to end-of-life decisions, they can do at least a video call with their families that can at least have a short conversation or see them or whatever they seem is appropriate there. And, you know, we have vendors stepping up and, and donating those types of services and equipment to do those things. So... The vendor community also has been, been pretty phenomenal with this, I will say. But that's all. If you've got good relationships with your folks and you've treated them right over the years, you know, yeah. I think they when they help you. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. It just makes sense. You're going to help first the people who you have the, the good, trusting relationships with. Sure. But, uh, yeah. In all honesty, the flip side to that is those that don't will remember that too. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. When you look at Virginia Hospital Center did um, and has done throughout this as far as how things were managed, prioritized, is there anything that you would have done differently or, or would do going forward if hit with another similar situation? Would I do anything differently? That's a good question. You know, I, I'd like to be a little more out in front of things if we could, but there's just, there's no crystal ball, unfortunately. Yeah, sure. I think if we've done solid planning on some of the areas and, you know, what's going to carry us forward in the future. And obviously telemedicine initiatives, things like that, which were extremely accelerated during this period. I mean, we went from doing a pilot program with a couple hundred visits to th literally thousands in the last couple of months. And teleconsults and, you know, setting up home monitoring for certain situations. You know, I think we're going to be better prepared in those types of things. So going into the projected second spike, if you will, I think we're going to be better off because we have some of those things and we have to continue to harden that infrastructure to do that stuff. Security was good because we had already had rolled out dual factor authentication for remote accesses and, you know, all okay. the different things that we needed to do there. So, you know, I think if we've done the right things 
and we can anticipate what works now and harden those things, we'll be fine, I think, if a second one comes. Right. Yeah, that's really important, too, as far as having that authentication, especially when, as you said, you have people stepping into different roles. So that's, I'm sure that that's played uh, an enormous role. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the first things, because of so many people working remotely now, you know, was checking our bandwidth and with our Internet providers and stuff and saying, you know, what's our capacity? How many concurrent users can we have? We run a virtual desktop infrastructure. How many sessions simultaneously can we run to do that? And then across the board, getting dual factor out there. We just did that in the last six months. So, again, we were kind of ahead of the curve a little bit on that. But we're not having to worry about, you know, is that the right person actually accessing our systems or not? We know pretty definitively that it is. So, again, some of the prior stuff that we've had in place has paid dividends during this for sure. Yeah, and and that's obviously that's a good thing. It would be bad if you had had a list of 10 things and said we would do this and this differently. I mean, realistically, there are going to be some things you would have done but it seems like the organization was in a good spot, um, as good a spot as you can be to handle something uh, so unpredictable. I think so. Certainly, on, I think on our, on our side, on the technical side, we were a little bit ahead of the curve maybe. And then on the, the clinical side, which is probably the most important, you know, I think they were pretty well prepared because they had sufficient PPE. We haven't run into any issues with anything of that nature. You know, I think staffing-wise, that held their own. We probably weren't prepared. It was the cross-training of staff and things like that, which probably have been a little larger than what we would have anticipated, but there's just no way to know. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that this is going to be an enormous game-changer when it comes to disaster preparation strategies. Yeah. All the disaster preparations prior to this were more along the lines of uh, some kind of terrorist attack or something like that. Right. So a simple mm-hmm. spiked event that's a day or two in duration, and you treat those patients for you know a week or so, and, and it kind of runs its course. You know, this, this is months to years. <laughs> right, yeah. So a whole other step of magnitude. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I think that that answers what I wanted to talk about. Uh, I really appreciate your time, especially I know that everyone's dealing with challenges, but especially, you know, you have people out who are sick. So I I really appreciate you making some time. Yeah, we've actually, you know, along that line, we actually have done fairly well with that. We have had very few cross-contaminations, I guess, because our PPE and infection control people have done a pretty good job. But some of the stories from my peers are almost nightmares. You go out to some of the post-acute areas here, and they are just, they're they are hurting. And we yeah. really haven't had too many problems with it. We've had a few, but not anything remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge factor. If I have anything else, I'll follow up. But uh, in the meantime, thank you so much. I appreciate it and uh, look forward to catching up again soon. All right, Kate. Have fun with those kids. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.